Well, good morning, everybody. It's that time of year, right? You've got lights starting to go up in your home. You've got lights happening around town. You're picking up Christmas trees down in the lots. You're cutting down trees. You're pulling them out of the attic and starting to put them together and fluff those things. Just think it take a lot of time to put those trees up, doesn't it? But lights are starting to fill up the place everywhere. You've got twinkling lights. You've got sparkling stars. Lights, displays. Everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's lights. Which is a good thing, I think, because this year has been a year that's been riddled with all kinds of ups and downs. It's felt like there's been a lot of darkness everywhere that we've turned. And so when we look around and we see the lights, it almost does something inside of us. It almost has the ability to begin to, to lift up our spirits. When we jump into the Christmas season, there seems to be a sense of, I know it's been hard over the last few months, over the last year, but there just seems to be something right about what's going on. There's a hope in the air that's palpable in comparison to the, the time period from March to no, November, right? Or March to, to December here. And maybe it has something to do with all the lights that we've seen as you drive up and down the streets. Maybe it has something to do with the lights that we're putting up in our home. But you, you know, like a long time ago, the very first Christmas or even before, like there weren't decorations, there weren't lights, there weren't trees. There weren't lights to go on the trees. There weren't lights at the businesses that, that you drove around and, and went around to see. There were no Christmas trees to put lights on. It just was, it wasn't happening. But well, even though there wasn't like decorations filling up the homes, the place was filled with all kinds of light. There was a time where there were people who were walking around and they were heavy. There was a weight of the world that seemed to be on people's shoulders. People were feeling oppressed. There were people who were walking around feeling forgotten, questions circling around if, if God even cared about us anymore. And if God even cared about us, why wouldn't he show up and intervene on my behalf right here and right now? People walked around with the weight of the world on their shoulders. And I would say they were living in a season where they had their ups and downs too. Might even say that they were living in their 2020, although I think it might have been a bit more severe than what we feel like we're walking through right now. But they had their ups and downs. There was a time that just felt extremely dark and people were walking around weary. And there was a light, the light of the world that was promised uh, to come, to step into that heaviness, to step into that darkness, to bring hope and to bring healing into what seemed to be a very weary, weary world. And so I think when we look around and we see the stars, the, the, the lights and the stars and the decorations that are filling our streets and that are filling our homes, I think we have this sense of, um, uh, of maybe a sense of lightness in the midst of our heaviness. Maybe the darkness doesn't feel as dark because we're reminded when we look at the lights that light stepped into the darkness once and we're promised that light will step into the darkness again at some point. And so the Christmas lights remind us that we don't look towards the darkness, but the Christmas lights remind us that we look towards the light. Like, I don't know if you guys do this with your family or not, but we drive around and you can see lights around people's homes or lights that are filling up the streets. And um, uh, our kids always get incredibly excited when they see those. And we've put up lights in our own house. And, and here's what we, we've just done in our own house. We look at the lights and we say, man, aren't these gorgeous? Or we drive around the streets and we say, aren't these gorgeous? And we say, yeah, they, they are. But then we just talk about like what these lights represent. They're not just there to look pretty, but those lights are there to remind us of something. That light did come into the world once and that light will come into the world again. And so for the next few weeks, what we want to do as a family what we want to do as a church is we want to focus in on Jesus. We want to focus in on the fact that, um, that, that as we look at these lights, as we look at all the decorations, as we celebrate the Advent season, that, that we're reminded that he's guided his people out of the darkness 
and into the light. And as he promised to do it once, he will do it again. So you guys ready to jump into our Advent season? Okay, let's pray. Father, uh, this time is yours. You have done uh, great work in us. You have done great work through us. But you can do this work without us. Father, we're reminded this time of the year that Jesus came and he did uh, amazing work, that he stepped into the darkness. Father, I want to pray that as we spend time together as brothers and sisters in Christ and as people who um, uh, are, are still trying to figure out if they can trust you or not, if, if Jesus really is the reason for this season, I want to pray that you would meet us all in this space, that you would speak freely to us, that your Holy Spirit would move amongst us. And Father, that your word would uh, not come back void, that you do a great work, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, back in 2004, um, I, I was in Iraq, and, and one of the things that I looked forward to while we were deployed was, was mail. When mail would come, man, it had the ability to lift up your spirit. It didn't matter how bad the day was. Like, you could have the worst day. You could be sent on the worst mission. You, you, you could be having those feelings of, man, I, I wish that we could go home right now because we, we were kind of in this space of we didn't know when we were going to leave. We thought we knew when we were going to leave, but it kept getting extended and extended and extended. So it could be one of those days just sitting around thinking, man, are we ever going to get to leave this place? When is it ever going to end? But then mail would show up. It would kind of do something. It would give you a spark of new hope. But to be honest, I love care packages more than just letters. Like when the care packages came in, like that was when it got good because you were reminded they were, there were people at home who cared about you. And not only did they care enough about you to send you a little letter, but they cared enough about you to send you stuff, stuff that would help you in the middle of your deployment. And, and sometimes that stuff would come in really handy. It would be things that you were looking forward to right then and there. Sometimes it would be things that would become in handy a little bit later. But when you would get a package you'd get this little three-by-five card that would say, hey, you've got mail. Like, come to the post office and pick up your mail. I'm going to tell you, it was the best three-by-five card piece of paper that you could ever imagine getting because on the other end of that was a package that was waiting for you. And so I'd hop in the Humvee when we go about a few miles across camp to go pick up the, the package. And the whole way there, you're kind of thinking like, what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? And it's always a surprise. You never know what's in the box, right? And so I got my three-by-five card in my hand and I run into the post office and say, hey, I'm here to pick up my box, the one that's got my name on it. And then you leave the place with your box and you're anticipating what it's going to be. You're, what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? And, and, and you don't know. It, it's going to be a surprise. But again, you, you go back to the room and you, you open it up. You have no idea what's inside. And sometimes it's what you need right then. Like sometimes I would get movies. Sometimes I would get some snacks. It would just kind of help pass the time just to take your mind off the things that were going on around you. Sometimes I would get something in the box that would be a little bit more handy that would come in handy a little bit later. I remember one time, uh, it was around, uh, it, it, it was around um, Cinco de Mayo. I got a Cinco de Mayo box in the mail. Like my, I think it came from Ashley's parents. That was one of the best boxes. I didn't need it right then. Like It wasn't Cinco de Mayo yet, but it had all kinds of festive things inside of it. Y'all, there was packaged meat inside that. Like it, it wasn't like cooked and then like sealed up and sent, but I don't know where you get this packaged meat stuff, but it was ready like seasoned, ready to go. There were taco shells that were sitting in the box, all kinds of decorations. There was even little packets of taco sauce that they threw in there from, from Taco Bell. I'm going to tell you, there was a great gift from, from home. I didn't need it right then, but, but it was good to have. Like every time you open up a box, it was a surprise. But it was always a good reminder that somebody home cared enough to send you a package that would help your stay there be a little bit better while you waited for the time to go home. Like this morning, we're going to dive into the Advent season by reading about Mary, how, how Mary got a message. 
Mary got a message about a package. Mary got a message about a package that was going to be for her. And not only was it going to be for her, but it was going to be for the entire world. She got a message about a package that was going to be for her and for the whole world that she wasn't expecting. But this package was going to fill her world with all kinds of hope while she waited in this darkness, while she waited in this time of waiting for her time to go home. And to be clear, this was a fantastic package, but it certainly wasn't anything close to what she was expecting with the plan that she had for her life. So I want you to look at Luke chapter 1 with me. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who's also called, or who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now let's put this in context for us, okay? If you were Mary, how would you respond in a scenario like this? Nothing like this has ever happened before. How, how would you respond? Well, how do you think Mary responded in a scenario like this? I mean, scholars tell us that Mary was most likely a teenager, just a young teenage girl at this time. She's got plans for her life. She's been engaged or promised to a, a strapping young man who went by the name of Joseph. She's going to be married to him one day. She's kept herself pure, which is an indicator that she had been faithful not only to Joseph, but she'd also been faithful to the Lord, her God. There's this level of commitment that she has, not only to Joseph, but to God as, as well. This girl, she's got a plan for her life. But just because she's got a plan for her life doesn't mean that God can't come in and disrupt her plan to do whatever it is that he wants to do with that plan. I think that's true for us, too. We might have a five-year plan, a 10-year goal, a 20-year plan, but it doesn't mean that God can't come in and disrupt and interrupt our plan in order to lead us in a way that he wants us to go. He has free right to come in and disrupt at any time in any way that he wants. Mary's a girl with a plan, but God comes in and begins to disrupt that. And she's hanging out here in this moment, and the angel Gabriel just kind of flashes this light and shows up. And all of a sudden, he's right there beside her. One of God's top angels hanging out right there beside her, maybe in her room, maybe outside. And he says, hey, you've got mail. There's a care package that's coming for you, that's waiting for you, and it's got your name on it. Now think about this. She's not expecting this. Mary's not expecting this to happen in her life right now. She wasn't just kind of sitting there waiting on the angel Gabriel to show up. She's not there checking her watch saying, hey, when's he coming? Like, is it time? Is he ready to come? It's not like, hey, on Monday I'm going to do the dishes. 
On Tuesday, I'm going to make sure that I, uh, that I do the laundry. And then, oh, on Wednesday, oh, I almost forgot, Gabriel's coming, so I need to make sure that I'm ready for the, the, the angel of the Most High to show up right here. I need to make sure that I'm ready. I mean, how do you even get ready for that? Like, nobody knows because you, you don't know when he's coming. You don't know how it happens. Mary was not expecting this in this moment. This was, not on, this was not a part of her life plan. This wasn't on her schedule. It wasn't on her to-do list. She wasn't expecting God in this moment to disrupt her life. Nor was the news that she was going to have a baby a part of her life plan right now. Maybe she thought one day, maybe we'll have kids. Maybe I'll have kids one day and they'll be running around the house and they'll be out in the yard playing with each other and maybe doing some stickball or whatever it is that little Jewish kids did out in the yard. Maybe, maybe she thought one day that's going to happen. But, but not right now. Not, not in, in this moment. This isn't a part of her game plan. And even though most mamas and daddies think that their kids are going to grow up and be special, like, like their kids are going to grow up and they're going to change the world, right? Mary, she wasn't expecting that to hear the words that she was going to have a, a, a baby. And oh, by the way, that your son is going to grow up and he is literally not just going to change the world, but he's literally, he's going to save the world. Like this is comic book stuff. This is superhero stuff. This is TV kind of stuff. This is action movie hero kind of stuff. This isn't middle of Galilee in the town of Nazareth. This is in the middle of Galilee, town of Nazareth kind of stuff. And it's definitely not stuff that happens to Mary. It's not stuff that happens to her. This package had to have the wrong name on it. It had to have the wrong address because this can't be for her. Do you notice though that how Mary responded to Gabriel's news? Listen to what Gabriel says in verse 28. He says, greetings, O favored one. Well, that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? He didn't say, hey, good morning. He didn't say good day, good afternoon, good evening. He, he didn't say hello or, or even howdy. What he says here is greetings, O favored one. The word favored here is extremely interesting. It's formed out of the word, uh, the Greek word charis. And charis means grace, unexpected grace. It has the, the indication of, of one who's about to receive a gift that they didn't earn and that they, de, they just certainly don't deserve. It, to put it in maybe a context that we can understand, it, it's like a, a king who goes out into, um, out into the community. And he calls in a peasant. He says, hey, peasant, come, come into the palace. Oh, don't stop at the palace. Why don't you come up here and sit at my throne? Sit right beside of me. And he reaches down from his well-groomed and manicured hands and he takes the the signet ring off of those clean hands. And, and he puts this ring that bears his name, that has all of his authority and all of his weight that comes along with it, and he puts it on the dirty, nasty, grimy hands uh, of the peasant. The peasant doesn't deserve it. He's done nothing to earn it. This should not be his. Just, just shouldn't. He's got no right to have it. Yet the king gives it to him anyway. It's a gift of the king's grace. Mary is rightly troubled by, by these words. She's trying to figure out, what could this possibly mean? I, I've, never, I've never had words spoken to me like this before. And I don't know if Mary's fallen down in fear here, because that usually is what happens when an angel shows up in Scripture. An angel shows up and, and people just fall. I don't know if she's standing there and she is just perplexed. Like there's just this look of confusion on her face, like what on earth is happening to me right now? But Scripture says that she is greatly troubled. I mean, how could she not be? Like, she's standing there, and all of a sudden, she's got angel, Gabriel, angel of the Most High, standing beside of her. How could she not be freaking out in this moment? And Gabriel kind of picks up on it, and here's what he says. Hey, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. 
And here's that word charis again. Here's the word grace again here. This unexpected grace, favor. It's the angel Gabriel saying to Mary here, it's a good thing that I'm here. It's a good thing that I'm here because God is about to act graciously to you on your behalf. And he's not only about to act graciously to you on your behalf, he's going to act graciously to you on your behalf. And it's going to reach out to the entire world. What he's saying is there is a king who has called you out of the courtyards and has brought you into the palace. And he's taken his signet ring that bears his weight and his authority off of his finger. And he's placing it upon your dirty hands. And it's going to change you and it's going to change the entire world. You ever think that, you ever wonder if Mary thought, is this really a gift of God's grace? You ever think, like, like the things that Mary is going to go through? I mean, because this is a young teenage girl who's about to become pregnant. I mean, this is about to get really socially awkward for her as she walks around. Because that kind of stuff doesn't happen around Galilee in this time. And if it does happen, you are an outcast in society. So you can only speculate that she's about to begin to grow a little bump, and as she walks around, this is about to get really socially awkward for her. People are going to look at her like the harlot of the city. It's not going to be good. You ever wonder if she thought that this was a gift of God's grace? You ever wonder, as she walks around, and she begins to actually go into labor, and she's trekking across the country, and she's in active labor looking for a place to have this baby, you ever wonder if she thought that that was a gift of God's grace? You ever wonder if she thought it was a gift of God's grace when she can't find her son? Like, I mean, she, they've been to the, the temple, and as they're there worshiping, they leave, and then they're in this caravan, and it's been days, and she can't find Jesus. You ever think it was a gift of God's grace when she can't find God's son? I mean, maybe you've misplaced your kids for a couple minutes. I mean, let's be honest, that's not God's son, right? I mean, this is you ever think it was a gift of grace for her as she's walking through that scenario? I wonder if Mary ever thought it was a gift of grace as she stood there at Golgotha and she watched her son with his arms stretched out and she sees nails pierced into each one of those wrists and she sees blood dripping from his brow and her son that she's raised for 30 plus years is dying and he's finally bringing forward with this act of grace, the kindness that he had spoken over Mary in this moment when Gabriel's there. I wonder if she ever felt like this was a gift of God's grace. I'm guessing there were probably times when she was walking through these scenarios that she didn't. But yet, God uses these situations. God uses those things to bring his grace not only to her, but to the entire world. Look at verse 31. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now think about this. This is a young Jewish girl, right, who's been faithful in all things possible that we understand from her life. She's from a Jewish lineage where they tell stories about the day that the promised one, the Messiah, is going to come. Like this is a part of their normal vernacular. It's been prophesied about over and over, year after year, decade after decade. There will be a day where the promised Messiah comes. But she, as well as her people, have looked around at their social situation. And things for them aren't good. They haven't been good for a really long time. There seems to be darkness all around them. They're politically oppressed. They're socially oppressed. They are, are in a 
position in society that they never thought that they would be in. They used to be at the top of society. And now they wonder, does God still care? And if he does care about me, when is he going to intervene on my behalf? When is he going to actually show up and do something about this? But they have hope. They have hope that one day he's going to come. The promised Messiah is going to come from the line of David. He's going to come and he's going to sit on the throne. And when he sits on the throne, he's going to make all things right. Things that are dark, things that feel hopeless, they're going to feel right again. And she's heard those stories. They've celebrated Pentecost together as a family. And every time they get together and they celebrate Pentecost and remember the time that God uh, saved them from the hands of the Egyptians, every time they tell those stories, they look forward to the day where the promised Messiah is going to come. They, they tell those stories that they sit around at, at, the, at the barbecue in the backyard. Every family get together. She knows the ins and outs of that story. But I guarantee you that she never thought that her name would ever be associated with it. Guarantee you that she never thought that Mary's name would be associated to that promise. Me? Favored by God? Me, a recipient of God's grace? Me, give birth to the Son of the Most High? Me, Mary? Gabriel, I think you've got the wrong package. I think you've dropped this off at the wrong address. I think it's got the wrong name on it because this can't possibly be for me. Things like that don't happen in my life. You ever feel like Mary here? You ever feel in a scenario like this where you've got plans for your life? You've got your five-year plan. You've got your 10-year plan. You've got your 20-year plan. And then all of a sudden, God comes in and does something that you weren't expecting. He comes in and he just completely disrupts your life. 2020. March to November. Everybody's had their life disrupted in one way or another. Whether it be social life, whether it be family life, whether it be health life, we've all been disrupted. And I'm guessing there's been areas where you've been disrupted that, that nobody even knows about. And there's questions that can begin to circulate. God, is this package for me? Is this what you, this, could this possibly have my name on it? Could there be any good that could ever come out of what I'm walking through right now? And there's some, sometimes be a little bit of level of fear or, or trepidation. I don't know how to navigate through this. Where am I supposed to go from here? See, there's a level of fear that Mary had. But notice how she responds next. In, in verse 34, she says, how? How's this going to happen? How is it possible for something like this to happen? Not like theoretically, can God actually pull this off? Because we believe God, we know that he's powerful, we know that he can do all things. So it's not, it's not like a theoretical, how is he going to do this? This is like a physical, like a very practical. How's this going to play out? Because I've been faithful. I'm a virgin. I haven't been stepping around. Never been with a man. This can't physically actually happen. And Gabriel says, this is a complete work of Spiritual things have to be birthed by the Spirit. It's only God who's going to be able to pull this thing off. Look what he says in 35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. I don't know what your response would have been. The angel Gabriel told you this. I know what mine would have been like, hey, like I know you're telling me this. And in some level, I can have faith that you're, you're, this is actually going to happen. But this is a conversation between me and you. Joseph doesn't know about this. Every farmer, every market owner, every person going to the store, every man, woman, and child in this community, they don't know. They're not having this conversation. So when I start walking around here in a little bit, when I've got a little belly bump, people are going to start asking questions. So could you walk around and go knock on everybody else's door and then tell them what you've been telling me? 
Because if not, this is going to get real bad. But that's not what Mary says here. This is not how she responds. Listen to her response. I'm guessing her jaw is down on the floor here in verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She said, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not exactly sure how this is going to happen, how this is going to work. But I'm available, I'm available to be used by you however you want to use me. If you want to disrupt my life, disrupt my life. If you want to change the course of my life, you change the course of my life. If you want to intervene, you intervene. See, when you trust that God's working on your behalf, listen to me. When you trust that God's working on your behalf and he wants to lead you to goodness, it's so much easier to let him disrupt your life. But when there's a question of doubt, like, I, I can't trust you, I don't know, then it's much, it's much more difficult to say, I'm available to you. But when you can trust God that he's going to lead you into the right places, it's so much more easy to allow him to disrupt your life. You may not like it in the moment. It may feel wonky and weird. But when you can trust that he's going to lead you into the right place, you can say, okay, disrupt, interrupt, inconvenience me if you want to, because I trust you. She says, you can disrupt my life any way that you want. Because there's no way that she could have fully understood this whole scenario that's happening here in, in verse 35. And we've had thousands of years, a couple thousands of years to try to put this piece together out of verse 35 and try to come up with how do we think this works. And the answer that we can still come up with is, I don't know. I don't know. This is only a work of God. This is a complete work of God. Theologians call verse 35, they call it the hypostatic union, the combining of the divine nature of God with the human nature of man and mixing those two together where there is no error, where there's uh, perfect unity of a person, creating what we know as God in the flesh. As we read in the Christmas stories, right? As we read through the prophecies that he'll be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel is God with us. This is the perfect combination of deity and humanity mixed together so much so that the angel Gabriel can say that this one that's to be born can be called holy. Holy. Perfectly. The son of, of God. But there's never been anything like this before. Nothing like this has, had ever happened to this point. And there's never been anything like this has happened since. And to be honest, there will never be anything like this that ever happens again, right? And when something only happens once and it can't be replicated, you, you, you can't figure out how it happens. There's just no scientific answer. There's no philosophical reasoning that would, that would make sense to make this work. It's impossible. This, this hypostatic union, this unity of divinity and humanity, it is impossible for us to conceive. But what Gabriel says here is that what's impossible for us isn't impossible for God. He said, nothing is impossible with God. And as he said it then, he means it now. But even though she didn't understand how it would work, she trusted that it would work because God said it would work. And, and although this wasn't part of her plan, she knew that she could trust that God was going to lead her in the right place. This wasn't part of her life plan, but she trusted the Lord in it. She trusted God's plan. She said, okay, I didn't think this, past, this package had my name on it, but I guess it does. It does have my name on it. And I didn't expect it. I wasn't planning for it, but it's what God has for me right now, and I'll do whatever it is that you lead me to. I am available to be interrupted by you. Because th this is the, the fantastic beginning of the story of Jesus stepping into the darkness and bringing hope in the midst of the darkness. This is a fantastic story of Jesus bringing light. We're going to find more about this in, in the coming weeks, 
But here in this, in this moment, here in Luke chapter 1, God has chosen to use this little gal in a way that she just wasn't expecting. And it seems so far out of this world that it's almost laughable, right? Because we can't get our mind around it. It's almost a laughable scenario. Yet she says, okay, if it's part of your plan, disrupt my life. There may be times in the near future or now where you get a pack. There, there may be a time that's coming when you, you just don't understand. You don't understand how this could be or why this would be. Maybe you've been through some things in the past year or over the past decade, and you've just said, man, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know why I have to, to walk through this. I, I just don't. Maybe that you've expected that news. It may be that you didn't expect that news or you expected it, but you didn't expect it when you got it. This showed up at the, the wrong time and may have come in a package with your name on it. But you said, man, I, I just don't know what to do with it. I'm still trying to figure this out. Why did I get this? What do I do with it now? What am I supposed to do with this now? This doesn't fit with my five-year, 10-year, 20-year plan. But when you get news like that or you get a package that's dropped off on your, on your doorstep and it's got your name on it, you don't have to be afraid. Because we can know that, that God knows what he's doing. He has a plan for our, our lives. He, he knows what's best for us. And, and if he knows what's best for us, and he's given us that package, he knows how to lead us to the place that he wants to, to take us to. Even if we don't fully understand it, right? Even if we don't get it, he still wants to, to lead us. And Mary's question was how? And God said through Gabriel, by the Holy Spirit. And, and for you... You might say, how? The same answer that Gabriel gave to Mary, God gives to us. It's through his Holy Spirit because God continues to use the same way that he has always used to to intervene and to lead us. He leads us by his spirit. He intervenes by his spirit. And so sometimes it might be that he puts a friend in your life. He resurrects a friend back into your life that you thought was gone. Maybe that he uses the spirit to put a thought into your mind. It may be that you're reading the word and he pops something off the page that you haven't seen in a while. It may be that he just says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to send an angel your way. And, and he reveals very clearly what's next for you and how he wants to lead you. But the truth is that he, if he's given you a package, if he says, I've got a care plan for you, he says, here, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. And our job in this is to respond to him. To respond with our availability. When I was uh, first driving, uh, we, we didn't have smartphones or GPS. Now if we just drive, we just pull up the phone, we got GPS, we got a Garmin in the window, and we can get anywhere. Like us guys, like we never get lost anymore, right? And that feels pretty good. But when I was growing up, we didn't have, and I was first learning how to drive, we didn't have GPS. Um, we didn't have the little Garmin's in the window. What we had was MapQuest. Anybody remember MapQuest? MapQuest had just come out. Like some of y'all, like some of y'all are too young to remember MapQuest, and some of y'all are too old to remember MapQuest. I see, okay. Um, but MapQuest came out, and it would give you a list of step-by-step instructions on, on how you're supposed to drive. And if you miss one of those steps, man, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Or even if you followed all those steps every once in a while, you're out in the middle of nowhere because it was still being uh, perfected, right? Um, but if you really wanted to get to where you were going, uh, you didn't have a GPS, and you didn't maybe trust MapQuest yet, you used the map. Old school map. Y'all remember these? 
Some of y'all had the atlas, the road atlas. They had the spiral bound, right? And you would stick it in the back of your seat and it'd be in that pocket right on the passenger side. So you just reach back and grab it like, all right, baby, where are we going today? But you pull out the map and it can be pretty disorienting if you've never really used a map before because you got all these lines that are going all over the place. You got black lines, blue lines, red lines. But if you never looked at a map and you're trying to get somewhere and you're trying to find your place on there, there's this little thing that most maps have, I think all maps do, it's called the compass rose. It's usually down in the right-hand corner somewhere. This one's kind of there in the middle. And that compass rose, it gives you the north, the south, the east, and the west. It gives you your directions so you can kind of plot yourself where you're at. And if you can find yourself on the map, you use that compass rose, you can get anywhere in the United States, right? It will show you how to get there. You just have to follow the directions uh, from that point. It's, some, sometimes we're going to get some stuff delivered in our life, and we're not expecting it. Some things that just kind of shake up our little world. And we don't know what the next step is going to be. And if we know what the next step is going to be, it might feel maybe scary to take that next step. Because we've maybe not taken a step in, in faith before. Or we have and it's not gone the way that we expected it to go. And it just feels a little bit scary. And we don't know what to do. And so maybe it begins to feel a little bit dark. Maybe it begins to feel maybe a little bit heavy. Maybe it begins to feel like things around you are just feeling a little bit weary. And in those moments. It's good to know that light came into the world once and it showed the way to go and he showed the way to go. And we're promised that light's going to come into the world again to show us the way to go. But as we wait, we have the Holy Spirit who acts like our compass rose. He's our little compass rose down in the corner who helps us to take each step of the way. He's given us a package. His promises. He's going to lead us along that path. And if we listen to his spirit, he'll lead us in the right direction. He's not going to lead us out into the middle of the desert somewhere unless that's where he wants you. He's not going to lead us to a place that he doesn't want us to be. He's always going to lead us to where exactly where he wants us to be if we follow his spirit into that place. And Mary was in a place where she said, I don't understand. I just don't get it. I don't know what's going on. But I'm going to let you disrupt my life. I'm available to follow you. As we experience God's leading, we respond like Mary responds. Like there's this, there's this joyful hopeful, anticipatory action that we have with the Lord to, to let him lead us. And Mary's availability allowed the proper response to where the angel says, oh, favored one. You're about to receive this unexpected grace. That grace came by God through her to Jesus that we experience today. And to the point where as we receive his grace, we can hear our father say, oh, favored one, I have a package for you. And it's got your name on it. You know what the package is that the Lord has in your life right now? Maybe it's heavy. Maybe it feels burdensome. Maybe it's just so full of joy. You know, do you know what the package is? What I want to do is I want to encourage you this week, just for this week only, to make one step, to take one step into allowing God to explain that package to you, to take one step in letting God lead you with that package. Maybe it's saying, and I don't get it. I don't understand it. Maybe it's saying, Lord, I, I don't understand it, but I'm available right now. Or maybe it's just fully embracing the package that you have and then beginning to share that with other people. <laughs> when I was in Iraq and I got that Cinco de Mayo box, um, I wasn't possibly going to 
keep that all to myself. You can't have a little fiesta all by yourself. You've got to share that with somebody else. And, and, and so maybe this is an opportunity this season to begin to share the light that you have with the people uh, around you. So let me encourage you to take one step into letting God lead you into the gift of grace that he's given to you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for Jesus. In this story, we've not yet seen Jesus born, but we've seen him promise. And we've seen hope begin to lift in Israel. We've seen hope begin to build some fear, but we've seen that you have a plan and that you want to lead your people according to that plan. And Father, we want to hang our hope on the fact that you will lead us into everything that you call us to, even if we don't understand it, even if we don't get it. And so for this Christmas season, God, what we want to do is we want to keep our eyes on you. We don't want to look at the darkness. We want to see you leading us out of the darkness and into life. And so would you do that for us this season, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.